Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Raise your hand if you've wanted to do the right thing, but ended up doing the wrong thing instead. Anybody's hand down? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. So, this is not just Paul's struggle. This is our struggle. Every single one of us, it's a struggle of our human condition. The same struggle exclaimed by modern singer-songwriter Taylor Swift <laughs> in her recent song, Anti-Hero. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. That's for all you Swifties here today in the crowd. <laughs> so why is this such a problem for us? Why do we do things that we do not want but do the very things that we hate. It makes no sense. When you think of those many instances in your life, and I assume that they are many because they are for me, what was the reason? Was it for money or clout? Was it because of a dependency for distraction? Some other hope of immediate reward or relief or act of self-preservation. When it comes to making decisions, we don't always do what we know is right. We sometimes even do what we hate. Because as we all know from experience, we are complicated. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. There is often a difference between who we want to be and who we are. People, all of us, created in the image of God, loved by God, intrinsically valuable, but who frequently make poor choices and even become enslaved to harmful, destructive patterns. Yes, we are complicated. As Paul says, just a few verses later, I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law, that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That is kind of a tongue twister of a passage, so good job, Carolyn, for reading it so well. But within all of that are some really good words and frankly, some honest admission. When I hear these words, I can't help but think of this, the common, if not uh, slightly cliche trope, 
of the good angel and the bad angel. When a character shows up in like a show or a cartoon, you know, when you see that and that person faces temptation, there's, there's often these two miniature versions of that character that will appear. One as the good angel on one shoulder, usually complete with the halo above, right? And then there's the bad angel, often with, you know, the horns and the trident, you know, just for really good effect. And the good angel acts out the role of the conscience, that voice of virtue that says, don't do it. You'll regret it. Think about the consequences. And then on the other shoulder is that bad angel acting out the role of corrupter, the voice of vice that says, oh, just do it. You'll enjoy it. The consequences aren't that bad. Just worry about the moment. While it may be cliche, this is a cliche rooted in reality. It captures that struggle within us. And if you don't believe me, how many of you raised your hands when I asked if this applied to you at the beginning? Yes, about everybody. Yes, I thought so. So it's the pernicious, cunning nature of sin that tells us that the things we know are bad aren't so bad that whatever satisfaction we receive from them is is totally worth the cost. That's what we're tempted to believe because sins always come always come with a host of justifications. Paul, like all of us, struggles with this internal conflict of will and desire between virtues and vices, the good angel and the bad angel. And he says, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? In this section of the book of Romans, and really throughout Romans to this point, Paul has been writing at length about the law. And by law, Paul isn't referring to just any kinds of laws or kinds of works generally, but here he's referring specifically to the works of Jewish law, the laws of the Torah. Rules about food, about relationships, about clothing, teachings, and practices. Specific laws of the people of Israel as found through the book of Genesis through Deuteronomy. So you can open your Bibles and find this stuff. And laws that were intended to help put boundaries and rules around them with some pretty good purposes, right? To keep them healthy, to keep them, most importantly, in right relationship with God and with one another. Or in other words... To keep them from sin. Sin being that thing, you know, we don't like to talk about sin that much. It's a little bit, makes us feel kind of bad inside. But, but there's a reason that we come together every Sunday, most Sundays, and say that confession of sin. The release and forgiveness that we receive. Because sin really is at its core. If we take away the bad label, it's those things which are unhealthy for us. They're bad for us. And that's the reason why the people of Israel had these laws. It's things that took them out of right relationship with God 
and with one another. That was the point of these laws of the Torah. And while it may seem like Paul is saying throughout the book of Romans that this law, the Jewish laws to which he himself subscribed, are actually now the problem, Paul says, what then should we say? That the law is sin? Sorry. What then should we say? That the law is sin? By no means. It is holy and just and good, he says. The problem is not the law. The problem is sin itself. Sin, which can even corrupt the law, can corrupt anything to advance its hold on us. Consider, just consider the forbidden fruits of our lives. And I use that phrase intentionally. When told something is off limits, how much more tempting is it to do it? Exactly. Because not even the laws or the law itself, not even the best of any rules, however good or important they may be and whatever role that they serve, will save us on their own. We will inevitably fall short. That was and is Paul's point. For as Paul says, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? In other words, what is our source of ultimate hope? Who can truly save us? Can we save ourselves? Nope. Only God can. And God has. And God does. God, through Christ, has given us the hope of redemption that no laws, however good or holy, as the laws of the people of Israel were, no laws can create on their own. The promise of forgiveness when, not if, but when, We fall short, and the source of our ability to do any good or overcome evil, even if we don't always recognize God's role in the moment. Through Jesus, sin and death are not the end. Through Jesus, there is always hope. Always hope. Always. That with God's help, we can rise up again and again, no matter how much we fall. That with God's help, we can more fully become the people who God has made us to be. That with God's help, we can more fully live as God intends for us to live. That with God's help, working in us, we can do infinitely more than we can even ask or imagine. And to that, we can all say, like Paul, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord.